This is the Living Fearless Today podcast, a show that helps men like you and me who are struggling to get unstuck and overcome fear to live confidently and courageously. I'm your host and transformation coach, Mike Forrester, helping you create the change you want now. Join me as I interview men who've conquered their challenges and soared to success as they spill their secrets on how they live fearless today. Well, hello and welcome back, my friend. So today I have with me Robert Muncaster. Man, Robert is just like totally laid back, but full of information. And I love the way he's just there, present and in the moment, right? He's, he's very conversational, welcoming and encouraging. So I'm really looking forward to today's conversation. Robert at the age of 19 had a just a major medical situation, uh, was given 5% chance of recovering. And obviously he took that 5% chance and ran with it, which we're grateful for. And, uh, he, he's done collections and helping people with their finance finances. So he not only, um, has a heart for people with where they're at, but also with their future, both emotionally, mentally, and financially. So big breadth of, of information and caring for people. So if you would welcome Robert today, Robert, how are you doing today? My friend, if I was any better, I'd be triplets, Micah. Thanks so much. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep it to just one man. Cause I think you've got enough energy that uh, triplets would just overwhelm us. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, Robert, if we could, what does life look like for you uh, on the business side of things? Um, right now, I'm operating a third-party collection agency uh, near Toronto, Ontario. So that's occupying quite a bit of my time. And I'm actually, I do coaching in the evenings. And I'm working with uh, a mentor of mine to um, get my training and speaking skills up to par and uh, get myself on stage a lot more than I have been. Awesome. Looking forward to seeing you on stage and in, and in other venues as well. Oh, thank you. So what does it look like on the personal side of things? What, is, what does life look like there? Um, I am living with, uh, I've been with the same woman for two years and um, she's uh, from Paris, France. So it's been quite a, quite a culture shock, quite a cu- culture treat, I guess you could say. Uh, very yeah. different. And before that, I was married for 18 years. Uh, well, I was with the same lady for 18 years. We were married for 15 years. And I, uh, two years ago, I, I just decided that, you know, it's, uh, it wasn't serving us. It wasn't serving me more importantly. I felt, um, stuck. I mm-hmm. felt that I wasn't living up to my best self. And, um, I, I, I just, I felt the need to let her go. Um, with women are, you know, they're, they have their, their prime years. And I felt that I had taken, um, so many from her that I, I, most wonderful, angelic woman, most caring. I'm so grateful to have her in my life. And it was, you know, I, I felt, I just felt that I couldn't keep her. I, I had to let her go. I loved her so mm-hmm. much that I just, I wasn't, I wasn't taking care of her as best I could. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a great ride and, and yeah, I'm with a wonderful woman. She's a, a tutor. And so she's, uh, 
intelligent, smart, beautiful, and yeah, just living a good life. Cool. So in releasing your ex-wife and now being with um, your, your French <laughs> girlfriend, you're right. Your, your Parisian girlfriend. There we go. Um, <laughs> what did you do to put yourself in a, in a better place? Like what kind of things did you need to overcome to make sure you were healthy to enter a relationship? I took some time out and uh, I lived with a friend of mine. I, you know, after so many years, I, I had a roommate again and, you know, he was uh, of like minded and, you know, he was somebody I could speak with, somebody that would listen and, you know, simply clearing, clearing my mind. And, you know, at the end of the day, it was simply letting go uh, of, of um, my ex and knowing that she was better off, um, better than when I had found her. I, I, and, you know, that was my, that was my peace of mind is, is just reflecting on the, the 18 years we were together and um, how much she had developed and how much I had developed in her presence. So it was simply reflection and, and taking the good with the good and uh, leaving the bad with the bad. Mm. So how did you, how did you leave the bad behind? I mean, how did you just kind of set it aside and not continue to carry it um, with you? You know, it was, it was challenging in the first month. I so badly, I just wanted to call her and say, okay, let's call this off. Let's get back in. And, and I, I just, I knew, uh, you know, she had bounced back so quick. So we had sold our matrimonial home and she had bought a place. And, you know, so she was moving on on her own. And we had been separated for a year, but we had been living together. So there was a transition period. And, you know, it was simply knowing that she was going in, she was moving to a better place. I knew, you know, take away all my materials, take away everything, I'll, I'll get it back. And so seeing her, um, you know, releasing all the, you know, the, the assets, our, our, mar- our, our divorce went through like clockwork because I just, I, I, I just let go. If she, you know, you take whatever it is you want. Uh, I don't have a fixed plan right now. I'm going to be moving in. I'm going to be renting a room from a friend for a bit. I don't want to pay for a storage locker. So whatever you want to take. Um, just And so she had, had just bought another property. And so she needed, you know, the snowblower and all the, all the stuff that comes with owning a house. So it was simple. It was just letting go. And making sure through that time period of transition, I didn't reach out to her, but if she reached out to me for anything, I made sure I was there. Yeah, I can imagine a snowblower. You might need that in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> might be a uh, useful 100%. thing. <clears throat> so, like, how did you, because you've got a, a level of self-awareness where you're like, hey, you know, this this is not the best that could be coming for you. How did you, how did you develop your self-awareness to be able to, to see that, but then also to be able to admit it? It took me a while. Uh, it was, I was almost, I, I, I felt like I was living like a zombie. Um, this was, you know, I, I won't name names. She, she was just uh, an angel and to the degree that she cooked, she, she mowed the lawn. She, she cleaned, like she did everything. I, I, I felt like I was a kept man and I wasn't living to my fullest potential. And I, I found myself using that as an excuse not to do anything. Um, you know, and, you know, I would sit in my garage with my friends playing pool or, you know, I, w- I was just acting like an adolescent boy. 
And it, it hit me that this is not how I want to live. And I don't believe that's how she deserves, you know, the, the partner she deserves. And I, I'm probably wrong. I think she may have enjoyed it tremendously having, you know, um, being able to take care of me. And I think she got a lot of joy from it for me as a man, though, it just, it didn't, uh, it didn't resonate. It, it bothered me. You know, it was a funny thing. She would always ask me, what time are you going to be home from work? What time are you going to be home for? What time are you coming home from the office? And, and it bothered me. I'm like, why, why do you ask? And finally, one day I asked, I said, why do you keep asking me what time I'm going to be home from work? She goes, I just want to know when to make sure dinner's on the table for you. So I was taking this as she was trying to hold me and keep me down. And, and she was just simply being her and caring for me. And, you know, it just, it, it built up to a point where, I started doing more personal development. I'm an avid reader and, you know, it, it, I became aware more and more that I'm not being my best self and I could be with her, um, you know, for, for however, you know, forever. And, you know, it was a time period, her father, you know, her father about two years, a year, he had going through cancer and she went and took care of him. And so she was getting this large inheritance. And I just looked at it. I'm like, this is not what I want to, this is not how I want to, I don't want her money. I don't want to take from her. And I think what I realized is when I met her in 2001, I was a very different person. I, you know, in my twenties and I was in a new town, I just moved to Toronto and, you know, she was, she was the perfect person in that place for me in one in at that age and you know it, it i i simply just said you know i i'm not the same person and we grew apart and instead of living like roommates um i i just decided there there has to be more to it and and i don't you know uh, it's kind of selfish and on the other side i was looking at her like you know i she deserves to be cared for and, and taken care of. And I, di- I didn't think I was doing it. And so that, that was really the self-awareness that I came to. I could have, I could have just stayed mediocre and stuck and it, you know, it, it would have been fine. I, you know, beautiful house, uh, just a wonderful, um, understanding kind, you know, one of the best partners I could ever, ever imagine to have. It, it just didn't feel right. I wasn't being, you know, the cooking, I, I, it's funny when, when after we separated and my, my girlfriend now, she doesn't cook, she's a microwave. And, and so man, do I love cooking, (laughs) man, you know, before it was like, no, I I didn't have to do anything. Just what do you want? And now it's, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I love finding new recipes and, and just cooking and I've got all these spices and she's like, what do you need to this? You know, you're taking up a whole cupboard of spices. Why? And I'm like, well, you know, it's, it's necessary. And it's a very different, um, a different place. I felt like I was keeping myself closed in. I can understand that. Um, I know for quite a while, like I went through a similar thing where my wife was stepped up. Right. But the difference is I had stepped back. And so she stepped into fill a void. You're speaking very highly and positively of your ex-wife. How did you like find forgiveness for her and yourself from that position, you know, like where things weren't working out in a healthy manner, because it's like, you know, if let's say I'm still frustrated with, with my wife, how would you say like, Hey Mike, this is, this is how I went about it. 
And I would, you know, suggest you can do this in, in your relationship as well. I believe that, you know, life is a mirror and everybody, you speaking with you, Mike, what I see in you is actually where, what I see in me, you know, as, as a man, as, as a human, I can only ever see from my eyes, my, whatever it is that I've learned or, or experienced or, you know, my beliefs, whatever it is I think is important. That's the only way I could ever see anybody else. And so recognizing that, you know, the things that, that bothered me about her was actually what bothered me. That was my internal struggle. It was how I was seeing myself. It was how I was seeing my characteristics. And truthfully, the only reason I re- I saw them in her is because I see them in myself. And so, you know, how could I not love her and, and, you know, the forgiveness, she did nothing wrong. She, she, she was the most magical, like just the kindest, you know, I, I can't speak highly enough for her because she's such a beautiful person and what deficiencies or what I thought I saw in her, it, it was simply what I saw in myself. I wasn't happy with what I saw in myself. And so it had nothing to do with her. And so, you know, the question, how did I forgive her? I, I forgave myself, you know, it, it's it, life is a mirror and you know, where we create our, our movie or whatever you want to call it, our reality. So, and dude, that totally resonates with me. I love it because it's, it's what I've experienced as I've grown. How did you in looking at that mirror then go, Oh, wow this is my problem. How did you decide to then start healing yourself and growing yourself in, in those areas, right? Like how did you, how did you come to discovery of where the problems were when you're looking in the mirror and then how did you address them? Through self-discovery, you know, doing personal development and, you know, reading, you know, Think and Grow Rich, How to Win Friends and Influence People, you know, the, these these cornerstone books of, of personal development that are, you know, they're 50, 60, 70, 80 years old now. And just just reading from, you know, wise people that, you know, uh, Dale Carnegie and Napoleon Hill and, you know, just reading and, and you know, every time I read a book, I'm, I'm a different person. You know, I'm, I, I'm a different person than I was 10 seconds ago. So, you know, it's simply being able to see it and allowing it to be a different angle and, and letting go of these hangups. And, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I, I believe as children, we were punished and rewarded, punished and rewarded. And it, it shaped us into not who we are, but who we think society believes we should be or what I believe society thinks I should be. It, it doesn't make sense. At the same time, it, you know, if I recognize that, you know, I'm, I'm chasing the reward and I'm avoiding the punishment and I'm, I'm just shaping as, as my parents or as the teachers, as my bosses, whatever, it's not me. And, and, and the more I go through that process, the, the, the less I recognize who I am and the more I become this, this person that doesn't even know that they don't know. So when you're reading through a, through a book, like you talked about Think and Grow Rich, most people will read a book 
but like there's a lacking a change that that doesn't come about right that application isn't there what are you doing that's bringing about the change in your life when you do read these books is recognizing giving myself the reward after i've read the book when i see a small change when i see something a little bit differently you know, I, I recognize it and I laugh. I, I make it a moment in by myself just to actually give it a, an impression that, you know, I see it differently. Uh, you know, I guess living as a robot, you know, as a victim, as, as just reacting and, you know, our, our, you know, one of the oldest parts of our body or ancient parts of our, our body is the limbic system, which is, you know, these chemical reactions flying through our body. And I feel stressed. I feel happy. I feel and recognizing that it's just a, it's, it's just a part of our body. Mm-hmm. And all of that, all of those chemical reactions, the cortisol, the, the adrenaline, the, you know, oxytocin, they're all driven from the mind. It's my mind that's telling my body to do this. Uh, you know, what? a great example is I'm dealing with um, tendonitis right now, and it's getting way better. It, it's been three weeks, and I was reflecting on it today, and, and, you know, it was like, okay, it hurts, but it's a dull pain. I'm like, well, what if I say that feels good? What if I tell my mind that I love that feeling? I, I'm alive when I feel that. So it, it was, you know, simply switching the script because you know the the body the the pains it's saying there's something there but it's just the it's just the chemical reactions and so if i can you know i can just use my mind and say hey i i feel you thanks you know it feels good it feels like a, a hug somebody's hugging my arm it feels really neat but just shifting the mindset just a little bit and you know, what's the alternative? Like, oh, my arm hurts. It's so sore right now. I feel it. It's just constantly, the, you know, where, what am I going to get the best benefit from? What's a reward or a punishment for it? So. Yeah. You can either focus on the pain and make it the forefront of your attention. Or like you said, you can take like a different perspective, but almost shift your mindset on how you're viewing things and, uh, you know, deal with it that way. <clears throat> Can we jump back to where you were 19 and, and had some medical, um, you know, medical issues and then how, how you got through that? Could we jump into that? Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Um, yeah, it was, uh, probably one of the greatest things that happened to me. I was, uh, I two months into my 19th birthday and I just started a new job. I was uh, selling cell phones in British Columbia and my boss had bought me a car, uh, so that I could do this job. He saw a lot of potential in me. And, uh, I let, um, my best friend's sister, uh, drive that night. She had to be somewhere and, and I really wasn't capable of driving. I was, uh, I was not mentally <laughs> capable of driving. So I said, okay, you, you take the keys. And, uh, so uh, within a couple of minutes of leaving my apartment, uh, she swerved three lanes into an oncoming truck. It was probably one in the morning. And, you know, thankfully I was uh, a couple minutes away from the, uh, the neurological center hospital of that province. And so there was an ambulance there and I don't remember much of it. Um, I was told that I had three blood transfusions, um, and I was in a coma for a month and a half and, uh, yeah, it was coming out of a coma. It was, a very different experience. It wasn't, it wasn't like the movies, um, where it's, you know, 
wake up and and here I am in bed and there's all these people around. It was a, a very gradual coming back to consciousness. And, you know, it was uh, what was described, my, my mother described it as me almost as if I was going through my ages again. So, you know, starting at being one day old to being 19, she watched over a couple week period of me advancing. So she saw these characteristics of me when I was one and two and then only she would know that what that looks like. So I take her word for it. <laughs> and, you know, it was going through that process. And I, I just, I felt this need to, I, I got to get out of the hospital. I got to, I got to go back and, and, keep living and, and life. And, and, you know, I remember one of the first things I remember was, um, I don't know if I snuck out of the hospital or if I just wandered, but, uh, I left the hospital and I had a gown and thankfully a robe to cover my back. And, um, you know, I walked down the street cause I lived a couple minutes away and I, my best friend at the time, uh, he lived in the same apartment building and I knock on his door and, you know, I was quite banged up and, quite quite a number of stitches and and probably looking pretty rough and uh he saw me he's like what are you doing here like you, you got to go back to the hospital uh, i'm just here for a car i just came by for a coffee and it's something i did a lot of times with him because we lived in the same building as i would go up and we'd have a cup of coffee and i i actually remember the reason i loved a coffee so much is he put cinnamon in it um and so he put a bit of cinnamon in the coffee and i, I just remember the taste and i and so i went um to us and and yeah he he was you know kind of like you got we got to call the hospital you got to get back I'm like well we'll get back in time it's fine and um you know and I I obviously I got back to the hospital but it was just I think it was that moment that pivot of of just just get back to what I was doing just get back to my daily routine so to speak and so transitioning out of being kept in the hospital back to some sense of normalcy right Exactly. Um, you know, it was, uh, I, one of the funny, I, I've, you know, I've been doing sales since I was 12 years old. And, uh, I, I remember being at the hospital and the, the phone constantly ringing at the nurse's office uh, or at the nurse's desk. And, and it kept ringing and ringing. I'm like, ah, oh, you gotta get it. Two rings. You lose the sale. Grab the phone. What do you, you know? And just, uh, just, just being my, just, you know, giving the nurses grief for letting the phone ring. And, um, you know, it was, it was, it was a moment in time that kind of froze. It was an opportunity of just recognizing, um, you know, I, I, it's, yeah, it's like time stopped and, you know, it was a, it was an opportunity to, okay, where do I want to go from here? And, you know, it was, it was unconscious. It was my desire to, for survival and to, to, to get back to what I was doing and, and to get back to normalcy or, or a comfort. And I guess, you know, being on that side of the comfort zone, it's, it's a good thing to pursue. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it was, it, it was a, I guess I want to call it a magical time because that's what I remember it. I remember it as a, a rebirth, as a, as, as, as an, an opportunity to just stop and, and take stock and, and decide what I want to do. With the doctors saying like there was only a 5% chance you know, of recovering from that. How did of you... surviving? Yeah. There was a 95% chance I was going to die according to the doctors. And I, I guess it's not in the cards. I... <laughs> we will be grateful that it wasn't in the cards. How did you, I mean, a lot of people would take that and be like, Oh my gosh, it's only 5% and just kind of take almost a victim 
mindset to it. How did you kind of, or did you set yourself to where it's like, no, I'm going to get through this. Like, how did you handle it? So within six months before this accident, I, I had started doing my uh, personal development and I had gotten involved. And so, you know, I, I had became, I got clear on my purpose and, and, you know, one of the other tools that, you know, with grace that I had in that was, you know, I'm accountable. I, I'm a hundred percent accountable for where I am. And the definition of accountability as, as was defined for me is I attract to me that which occurs. And so, you know, it was, it was a place, it was a, a presence of mind of, okay, what did I do to get here and where do I want to go? And, you know, I, I had dropped out of high school. Um, and so I, once I was, you know, recovering, I saw it as an opportunity. Well, excuse me, the, the car insurance is paying wage subsidy or disability for me. So I don't have to worry about paying rent. I don't have to worry about my bills. It's taken care of. Why don't I go back to school? And so, um, I went back to school as a mature student and I did my first year of business administration because I, I just, I wanted to get back to where I wanted to be, where I was, but I also wanted to advance from that. And in my recovery, I'd, I'd started studying, you know, psychology books and, you know, I went to the library and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm reading these books about head injuries and, you know, reading about these people going, nobody understands what it's like. You know, you look completely normal. I, this one book sticks out. You, you look completely normal on the outside. And so if you tell somebody, if when I tell somebody that I have a, a head injury and I'm disabled, people don't understand it because I look normal. And so people can't relate to it. And so there was an opportunity and, and I'm sure there was a period of time where I just thought, Oh, nobody understands and nobody cares. And, you know, I, I just got to deal with this the way it is. And that's life. And then I, you know, I turned to psychology books and I started studying the brain. Okay. What's going on? You know, a frontal lobe head injury, a Glasgow coma scale of five. And, you know, I'm, I'm reading all this, this, and I, I got to understand why my brain, why I wasn't remembering things very well, why my, my short term memory was diminished because my frontal lobe injury and, and, but I seem to be a sponge of, you know, and, and I learned in, when, when there's a, when the, there's a brain injury and the brain's recovering, it becomes a sponge of information trying to get back to what it knows. And so that's why I went and, you know, I decided to take the opportunity. I went to college and it's like I had a photographic memory. I just, I remember, you know, Abraham's Maslow, Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And, and, you know, I, I'm just all this like marketing, accounting, economics and business law. And it was, you know, it was just, it was a, a wonderful opportunity given the circumstances to, to just, to just move forward and, you know, being clearer on my purpose of where I wanted to get to. Cause, you know, because of the personal development, I recognize, you know, one of the things they taught is you can live as a robot in a reactive state or you can live as a master in a, in a, in a, a place of effect of, of being at cause. And so it was, it was simply a matter of, of, okay, this is where I'm going. I, I know, you know, when, when I was before my accident, I said, I'm going to be retired by the time I'm 30. And that was my, that was my headspace, um, before the accident. And that was my headspace after the accident was just being clear that, you know, I, 30 years old, I'm, I'm going to be retired. Um, 
On a funny note, and, and maybe not related, but somewhere around that time, I think it was 2017, oil was at $11 a barrel. And I saw it. I'm like, oh my goodness. I, you know, and, and it's funny because I was on disability. I didn't have a sufficient income to open up a trading account for commodities. And so I wasn't able to invest in it. But, you know, every penny change is worth $50. And it went from what, $11 to 60. It just, it, it just, you know, and so I saw how many opportunities exist. You know, that, that was one of them. And so it wasn't in the cards. That's okay. It's there to teach me, you know, cause now looking at where we're, we are today, I, you know, I saw oil at $64 a barrel. Well, it's time right there. And so, you know, it's, it's just simply maybe it wasn't in the cards then, but you know, just take stock and, and know that it's, it'll come up again. There's that knowledge, that experience is going to serve its purpose in the future. Hi, Coach Mike here. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Living Fearless Today podcast. Man, if you're struggling with your worth, feeling you're not enough and playing small, honestly, this isn't your lot in life. There is more available to you beyond this podcast to help you uncover your worth, feel respected, be confident, and play bigger in all areas of your life. Grab a time at highcoachmike.com forward slash book a call to set up a complimentary session on where you're at today, who you want to be, and how you can live the life you've been desiring. Again, head on over to highcoachmike.com forward slash book a call and take that first step towards your life transformation. So how do you, how do you like kind of facilitate like either yourself or your environment so that you're more aware of the opportunities around you? Because if you're sitting around there and just going, Oh my gosh, my, you know, my life is rough. You know, my job is not fitting well. It's like, you can get it almost this tunnel vision of life sucks. How do you, you know, instead of going down that path, how, how are you holding your head up and looking around and going, wow, there's all this stuff around me. Like you're talking about, how can you do that? Well, I, I, I think, greatest definition of happiness that I've heard of, um, is to be without mental anguish. And so instead of chasing happiness or believing a certain sequence of events, a number of, you know, zeros or ones, or a couple of switches have to flip, and then I'm going to be happy. It's not, it doesn't exist. You know, when we're happy, we don't think that we're happy. We don't, it, it's not even in the, it's not even something that comes to the conscious mind. It just, we are. And the best way to describe it is to be without mental anguish. And, you know, something that comes to mind from the personal development way back when I was 19 is know that no one and nothing outside of myself is ever going to change. I must keep giving what I want without expectation of return. And so, you know, being clear that there's no circumstances outside of myself that, that, you know, things, it's not like the, the sequence needs to come together. All the chips need to fall into place and then everything's great. It's, I can choose to be happy or I can choose to let those, those monkey voices in my brain scream at me and, and I can react to every single one of them. And, you know, that, that's the mental anguish as I see it is, you know, is letting those, letting those voices, you know, it's not resisting those voices. It's acknowledging the voices. I hear you. Thank you for sharing. Awesome. Yeah, I got it. I got it. I'm just going to focus over here. 
So it's almost like intentionality. Like even if I'm in financial stress, right? Things are tight. There's still money that can be put off towards savings, right? If I wait until I'm rich to start investing, it's just going to be a habit of putting off. It almost sounds like it's that same thing. If I continue waiting to be happy until all these things fall into the right place, I won't ever find myself happy. So you're, if I'm understanding it correctly, you're choosing to be happy today, regardless of the circumstances around you. You're not ignoring them. You're aware of them, but you're just making a conscious decision. Is that right? Yes. And, and it's not buying into my BS, not buying into my basic stories. And, you know, it, it's, you know, the, these, if I, if you look at the, the, where we came from as a, as a, as a human species, tens of thousands of years ago, you know, the, the fear of the fight or flight that we're so accustomed to, you know, it, it developed, it evolved in a period of time that we're not in anymore. You know, living in a cave and, and the saber toothed tiger or the dinosaur, or the, the woolly mammoth or whatever it is, you know, is, is going to get me. And, you know, oh my goodness, I better run or else I'm going to, I'm not going to survive. We don't live in that age anymore. Yet we, you know, it's kind of like having a, trying to play a Grand Theft Auto on a computer from 1975. It just, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, operate it it just you know it, it glitches it's slow it's like oh man i moved the joystick why did it stay you know and it, it's just not the way it is and so being present being aware of you know we live in the greatest time i think this moment in time you know our ancestors of tens of thousands of years were working towards this point we live in this point all the evolution all the development got us to here and so why be worried you know with regards to not having enough money, you know, it, there's steps, you know, the, you know, somebody making a hundred thousand dollars. Oh, I wish I had a hundred thousand dollar a year job. But what if I told you their expenses are $110,000 a year? It's kind of the same as if I was making 20,000 and my expenses were 30. So what if my expense, you know, using just off numbers, but say $40,000 and my expenses are 30,000, I'm actually doing better than that person who's making a hundred thousand. And can you imagine how much less stress I have, all the less moving parts that I have to deal with? So, you know, I think we look at our situation. I, you know, I, I've, I've caught myself looking at my situation, like nobody understands. And I, it's no, no, they don't get it. And it's just a sellout. Who cares if they don't get it? Because, you know, people look at me and I wish I could be like that. And they don't know. They don't know what, you know, it's all they're looking at is through their beliefs, through their context. They're seeing themselves in me. And so at the end of the day, it's just, everything's fine. Yeah, it's always one of those. It's easier to see what's going on on the outside. A lot of times we're not seeing what's going on behind closed doors or the curtain, so to speak. And so we're judging off of like a partial image. Uh, you know, it's almost like the Christmas, the Christmas letter, Christmas card that you get that lit, outlines all the highlight stuff or the Pinterest kind of life. 
The Facebook life. Look at all this stuff yes. on Facebook that it's like, you know, these people live the most magical life. And, you know, why don't they post pictures of their dishes in their counter all stacked and way off the, you know, why aren't they posting these pictures? Why is it beaches and, and smiles and happy times, you know? And, and that's, I think, you know, I'm tempted because of that, that whole reward and punishment system that we've been trained with unknowingly that, you know, I, I get a oxytocin release when somebody clicks like, you know, or I, what if I post my, my you know, if I had, you know, a, a sink full of dishes, what would people start, you know, sending angry faces? Like, how is that going to, I'm not going to show them that. I don't want to get angry faces. You know, it's, it, it's, it's a whole facade and it, it starts in the mind. Everything is in the mind. I can choose to be happy. I can choose to have my dishes done. Um, or I can choose, you know, to, to prove myself right that I'm unhappy and I am a victim. And, and, you know, the, the seek, the, everything outside of myself, if something was a little bit different, if I'd only picked two different numbers, I should have picked that number in the lottery, not that number. And it, it isn't. It's living a life of what is, isn't. It's believing something that doesn't exist could exist. You've talked about both having like a mentor, you know, a community around you, right? Co people, people that are supporting you. You've talked about books. Can you list a couple things that have really been pivotal, pivotal <laughs> in transitioning from where you were, you know, let's, let's say when you were 18, before you started picking up the, you know, self-improvement, personal growth books before you started that process to where you are now, what are some things that have just been really pivotal and foundational for you along that journey? I think the most important thing, and I learned it later on, but it's really well defined is, and, and a man named Aaron Huey um, mentioned this is speak what you seek till you find it. Mm. And what that means to me is, you know, when I was 18, I, I, you know, I, I had the gift of gab and I, you know, and I, I, I surrounded myself. Like I, I, I looked at positive books. I decided to, to look at life as a, as a rehearsal, as a lesson, as an education, as opposed to, you know, whatever the linear, whatever the, the school was teaching me. And so, you know, developing people skills and, and being somebody that other people want to be around. And speaking of things that are important to me, you know, it just, it troubled me for so long, not for so long, but after my car accident, I went and hung out with, you know, this, the same people as when I was 16, 17. And, and I thought there was something wrong with me because all they wanted to talk about was experiences of the past. Oh, you remember when we did this and that was so fun. And, and, and I thought it was my memory that was deficient. And I, I blamed my, my, my rehabilitation and my injury on, on not being a party to it or not being able to resonate with it. And what I realized later on is who cares about the past? Why, you know, if I, if I talk about the past, I'm, I'm reliving something that I don't even know if it's that, if it was that, you know, it, it's, it's a romanticized version of something that ha might've happened and, you know, it, it's filtered. And so it, it bothered me in the moment, but you know, the things that, you know, the P the, the things that bother me are kind of like the spotlight of what I should be focusing on to 
discover who I really am. Um, and so, you know, being bothered by, again, you know, not being able to remember, oh, yeah, we did this. And remember that time 20 years ago, we were on the seesaw, or, you know, and, and why it bothered me was that's not what's important. You know, the lesson was be present where I am and be very, have the clearest picture possible of where I see myself being, you know, taste it, smell it, touch it you know, see it, hear it, you know, the, the clearer of the picture I can make in my mind of where I, I believe I want to be, the quicker I'm going to get there. The, the brain doesn't recognize factor fiction. You know, I, I don't watch a lot of movies, but I was watching a movie with my girlfriend and, and I look over at the end and she's crying and she's just emotional about it. And I'm like, it's a movie, but it was a reminder that our our body doesn't know fact from fiction. Uh, you know, she really put herself into that. And I, I admit I've watched a few movies and I've had a few tears, but you know, it's the, it was the recognition of seeing it that, you know, her body, her limbic system was responding as if she was there. And I think that's, you know, we live in a movie and, and I can choose to be reactive to what my senses are telling me or I can just be clear of my senses, what they are, where I want to be and let my, let, you know, let, let nature take its course, you know, let my limbic system, you know, picturing being on the beach, uh, you know, one vacation I had a few years ago going to the Dominican Republic, I have this clear picture of, you know, of a sailboat going by and my, my feet in the hot sand and, and, you know, and the breeze and the, the you know, just seeing it and, I can go back there at any moment in time. Everything that's happened in my past, I can relive. I can live the same senses. You know, that's the magic of, of the past is I can relive it. And, you know, it, it can be heaven or it can be, you know, not heaven. It, it, and what, what movie do I choose to play? What mind movie am I choosing to play in my head? What do I choose to relive? You know, is it the seesaw 20 years ago or is it being on the beach and going, yes, I'm going to be there again. And I can feel the, the sand and, oh, that's where I'm getting. That's where I'm going. And it's a choice. It's, it's a simple choice. Yeah, very true. And sometimes we just, we don't, make that choice i think we almost forget that we have permission to make that choice and just railroad ourselves on making an unhealthy choice focusing on the the negative aspects of it uh, i think society you know it's easy to be trained as a robot it's easy to be uh railroaded into that again the the punishment and the reward system you know, it's, it's, it's my parents, it's, it's my teachers, it's, it's my, my nemesis, it's my friend, it's, you know, it's, it's all reward and punishment. And, and, you know, if, if it serves me that I play the victim and, or I think it serves me and I, I play the victim, it's like, well, I was a bad boy, so I deserve this. You know, it, does that script work? You know, we, we, we look at our lives through a context, our beliefs, our, our thoughts, our experiences are, it's kind of like glasses. And at any time I can just take those glasses off, wipe them off, clear them up. And all of a sudden the world looks clean again. Or I can just keep those glasses on and say, 
you know, Eeyore, it's going to rain. It's just the way it is. And I got to deal with it. You know, being growing up in British Columbia, I, I was gifted with the idea that it's liquid sunshine. It rains so much in BC. It's just liquid sunshine. I love it. You know, and it's it's how do you choose to look at it? And if you choose to look at something a certain way, is it serving you? Is it really genuinely serving you? Yeah, in a healthy way. <clears throat> you know, one that that for moves you forward, like you've talked about, to a place you want to be. Well, Robert, um, what would be a couple books you would say that have had a, a huge impact on you that, you know, maybe you return to rereading them over the years? Um, so there's uh, Think and Grow Rich, uh, Napoleon Hill. Absolutely. Uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Uh, a great one is uh, Frank Betcher, um, How I Went from Failure to Success in Selling. A great people. Um, there's Personality Plus, which is a book that shows the f there's four different there's four different personalities, and so understanding, you know, the, the better I understand myself, the better I can work with people. Because this is my base, so I understand that you know I'm a very analytical, knowledge hungry. Um, nurturing person so i can recognize these people and i can see the characteristics you know as opposed to the the choleric the 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 bottom line the boss or the the salesperson who's got a million friends but nobody's close um so that's personality plus it's a great book and there's so many of them uh you know the book i'm i'm reading right now is the four agreements i'm reading it again uh which is uh, Don Miguel Ruiz, which is such a powerful book. Um, you know, it's, yeah, what comes to mind? I, I just finished reading a book, The Power of the Supermind, um, which is uh, mind-blowing. But, you know, I, I think to start out, I think just to, to, to start out is, you know, the, yeah, the think and, think and Grow Rich and How to Win Friends and Influence People are, are great. And it's not just, reading the book, but it's, it's actually applying it. And, and the more I read these books, the more I attract people because my conversation changes. And so now my conversations with people, my priorities become, okay, well, this is important to me. And, and magically people that resonate with those priorities come into my life. And, and now I can build on it. Now I can have those relationships. Very true. That, that is amazing. The way things change as we change. And, and we're just like you talked about, we're aware of the opportunities and the possibilities around us. I mean, it, it doesn't, it doesn't take like a long time to see change come about. It just takes that intention and that purpose, uh, you know, just being consistent in the, in the moment. Yeah, I, I think, you know, one of the most important things, I, I don't want to dismiss it. When I was going through my rehabilitation, there was a lot of trying times. There was a lot of emotion. There was mostly anger, almost a lot of anger and, and, and depression. And, you know, I think what's important is, is don't suppress it. Don't suppress those emotions. Just let it out, but in a safe way. You know, if, if as a man, if I start losing my temper in front of my woman, how is she supposed to feel safe? So, you know, can I drive to a, to a parking lot where nobody's around and I can just let my frustration out? Um, nobody's around. Nobody's going to get hurt. You know, I, I have a, a, 
I guess a neighbor, um, he's a bit younger and he, you know, my, my girlfriend sees him out the window and he's, he's slamming his head against the car and he's pounding it and, and, and he's struggling. And I, you know, I, I, I have conversations with him, you know, her reaction to it is she, she's scared. She's scared and it's through a window. It's not even close to her, but she sees it. And so I think, you know, most importantly for, for the men out there is yes, we have anger. It's probably the emotion that we recognize the most, you know, men have, you know, women have like this whole kaleidoscope of 10,000 emotions and, and men have, you know, anger and different shades of anger and it's okay. It's don't bottle it up because it gets, it, it releases in places where I don't want it to, if it's out of control. But if I, if I'm by myself, if I don't have, you know, I've, I've got a, a circle of like-minded men that I can go and I can, I really screwed up. I really messed up here. And, and this is what I did. And, and without judgment, they hear it and they, it's okay. It's a place to go, but I don't bring that to my girlfriend. She, she's not wired the same as me. And, and it's not fair to her to bring her to a place of not feeling safe. And so as a man, it's, you know, if, if, if it's by yourself in your car away from people, if it's, you know, around a, a group of friends that you can, you know, have a, have that conversation without judgment, like-minded, um, don't bottle it up. It just, it, it doesn't serve being bottled up because it's going to get released somewhere. Yeah. It's that pressure cooker. That's like, do you want to control when it's going to, you know, be released or do you want it to, uh, release when you're not expecting it. And, Wrong. you know, it, it's, and if I can just, you know, continue on that or, or just speak briefly on that, it's, you know, it, it's let, let it be okay. You know, I, I lost my temper. I was by myself and I got really mad and that was freaking awesome. Cause oh yeah, I felt so good after, you know, it, it's okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, Robert, I want to be mindful of your time. And just say thank you so much for coming and sharing the journey that you've been on, where you're at, and how you've been intentional in choosing happiness and joy in the moment instead of waiting. And then also the the just the insights, the tools that you've used along the way to experience the growth in your life. So thank you for joining and sharing all this stuff with me, my friend. Oh, thank you for inviting me, Mike. I'm so grateful for our conversation. My pleasure. Thanks so much, my friend, for joining me on another episode. If you found the information within the show helpful, please leave a review on the platform you're listening to. It helps raise the show's visibility so other men can join us in breaking free. See you on the next episode. And remember to continue putting yourself out there. Have a great one.